Once again, America may have to wait another month to learn of the balance of political power in Congress. Were election predictions off since the red wave never materialized? Or is this a repeat of 2020? Well, we'll offer some insight about what we saw and where we need to go in this episode. Please be sure to take the suggested actions, and then please like, subscribe, and share this information on your social media platforms. We find it very interesting that at a time when many Americans are reporting that they are financially worse off than they were last year, that this wasn't reflected much more at the election box than what we saw last night. Why did we not see that large red political wave other than in Florida? So let's get the obvious question out of the way first. Was there any election fraud? Now, one would be hard-pressed to find reports of it online this morning, yet that could certainly be due to the censorship of big tech. However, let's go over some possibilities. Writing at the Gateway Pundit, Ben Whitmore offers what he says is video and photographic evidence that ballots in Detroit were delivered by truck to be counted outside of the legal hours. He wrote, the Gateway Pundit has exclusive video and photographic evidence that the city of Detroit in Michigan was collecting thousands of ballots significantly after the legal deadline in 2022. This video is from the Detroit Department of Elections at 2978 West Grand. Ballots are processed there, entering and exiting through the garage and the alley behind the building. He continues, We can exclusively report that the city of Detroit was handling and beginning to process a significant number of ballots at 11.30 p.m. on election night. We can exclusively report that the city of Detroit was handling and beginning to process more ballots at 1.22 a.m. on election night. He then asks the obvious question, where did these ballots come from? An excellent question that does not appear to have an official answer as of the morning after. Yet, election integrity is on the minds of many. Analysts are beginning to pour over the data now, so there's much more that could be possibly coming out. In a brief exchange this morning with one of our election experts, he wrote, I'm sure there was significant fraud yesterday. Then he referenced that he would be on a national conference call this afternoon with an election integrity group to discuss details and observations made across the country. Jim Hoft at the Gateway Pundit made an interesting observation. He noted that a CNN exit poll showed that a combined 73% of voters were dissatisfied or angry about how things are going in the U.S. As Hoft put it, so they voted Democrats back into power. They really want us to believe this, too. Project Veritas recorded an exchange of a poll worker illegally instructing a voter to vote Democratic in Philadelphia. Upon showing this video to a judge, he promised investigative action. On another Hoft-written article at Gateway Pundit, he demonstrates how Republicans lost in Alaska, even though they had the most votes, due to ranked choice voting, a leftist scheme that is banned in Florida and Tennessee, but used in Alaska, Maine, and in more than 20 cities in mostly blue states. In the 2020 elections, the machines and voting software were a main suspect in the fraud investigations. Last night, there were some problems, I should say there were some reports with problems with machines in Maricopa County, Arizona. A video was posted on Twitter regarding a broken tabulator machine and an inconsistent tabulator machine. According to a fact-checked article on abc7news.com, 
Maricopa County did experience Election Day technical problems with tabulation devices at about 20% of its voting locations, according to county officials on Tuesday morning. The problem prompted officials to ask affected voters to place their ballots in a secure box for, vote, for counting, wait for the tabulator problems to be resolved, or go vote at another county location. Election recorder Richer issued an afternoon statement saying the Board of Supervisors had identified the problem and had begun fixing affected voting locations. He promised that every legal vote will be tabulated. In New York, ballots in seven towns in Washington County were not able to be tabulated. NCPR interviewed Tom Rogers, the Republican commissioner for the county's Board of Elections. He told them, what we had discovered this morning is that we had seven towns that had printed ballots where the machine didn't want to read the ballot, Rogers explained. It has nothing to do with fraud. Rogers said the issue is with the printers and potentially with the way that some ballots were cut, not quite square, which led the machine to reject those ballots. In an update, NCPR reported a Supreme Court judge in New York ordered that ballots cast at certain polling places in Washington County be separated and preserved for further review following a challenge by the state's Republican Party. Also in New York, MSN reports that the Monroe County Board of Elections results were delayed due to technical difficulties. It reported on Wednesday morning the Monroe County Board of Elections released a statement saying all of the votes were collected and recorded with no issue, and the upload of the results was delayed due to a connection issue. Board officials said they will continue to investigate the cause of these issues. KRON4 reported that a handful of state election websites were hit with cyber attacks, according to the Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. They classified these as distributed denial of service attacks. The agency also reported Mississippi state websites suffered outages following a cyber attack reportedly carried out by a Russian hacking group. Now, last night's election coverage from members of big media all seemed to practice from the same playbook. They were constantly calling Republicans who were running on the issue of election integrity as election deniers and conveniently ignored the number of times Democrats had questioned election results in the past, as if to cast some doubt on the mental capacity of these Republicans. Big media members also went through mental gymnastics, trying to find ways that would give a path to victory for Democrats. Rarely did they do so for conservatives. Big media member MSNBC broadcast the Morning Joe show early this morning, and the panel commented about the Trump factor and said many of his endorsements lost, but that Governor DeSantis had won huge. They also said that the election denialism was on the ballot last night and that it overwhelmingly lost. Let's take a listen. Election denialism was on the ballot and it lost overwhelmingly time last night, time, time and time again. Um, and to your point, Ron DeSantis winning by almost 20 points in Florida, remaking the map, remaking the Obama coalition, winning, flipping by 20 points from a couple of years ago, Latino voters. It would appear this morning this is Ron DeSantis's party and not oh. Donald Trump's. However, the Washington Post calculated that 291 seeking office had questioned the election results of 2020 and that 150 of them had either won or were projected to win their race. 
over 50% is a far cry from an overwhelming loss. Another point of concern is the amount of money dumped into this election. The organization Open Secrets sent out a news release last week predicting the midterm elections would cost nearly $17 billion. So here's a breakdown of it. Federal candidates and political committees are expected to spend $8.9 billion, while state candidates, party committees, and ballot measure committees are on track to raise $7.8 billion. They also point out that this is the most expensive midterm in U.S. history, having raised $2 billion more than 2018. According to OpenSecrets.org, George Soros was the largest contributor at $128 million for Democrats. So the nearly $17 billion has bought America what looks like to be much more division, with the House predicted to go Republican, and the, state and the Senate will probably come down to Georgia once again, which appears to be heading toward a runoff in December. At its best, perhaps the $17 billion will buy gridlock in D.C. for the next two years. But of course, with the infamous waffling of the GOP, we probably shouldn't count on prolonged gridlock. Another area of concern was warned about by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. It warned of the possibility of political violence surrounding the midterms. This materialized when a member of our organization who was working on his own for a political campaign was beaten by men who told him that Republicans aren't allowed in this neighborhood. As Chris Wright chronicled on LibertySentinel.org, no less than seven violent attacks were committed against Republican candidates this election cycle, along with three additional instances of threats, including the white powder sent to the offices of Carrie Lake. While the media and government agencies like to insist about this political violence, they usually ignore or ridicule it when it actually happens to conservatives. Now, we will certainly be discussing much more of this as we learn more at a future date. So let us leave you with an important point regarding what is to happen next. One of the key aspects of every election is that there are certain responsibilities for those elected and for those that sent them. If these responsibilities were fulfilled, America would see long-lasting change that would preserve and restore the concept of limited government and freedom for all. For instance, last week the House Freedom Caucus sent out a 52-page guide to House GOP candidates to warn them of what the future may hold for them in Congress. Knowing that congressional freshmen can quickly be corrupted by big government Republican leadership, Representative Scott Perry wrote in it, Some will urge you to be a team player by falling in line with leadership and doing what you're told. You'll be warned not to rock the boat by raising questions or concerns with leadership's agenda. He added, we cannot continue to govern in the same way that broke it. Nor should politics continue as is. Elected officials have a responsibility to follow the constitutional limitations of their office, while the voters, the electorate, have a responsibility to hold them accountable by ensuring they do follow their limitations. And how do we do that? We follow the advice of Thomas Jefferson, who suggested that the electorate's discretion must be informed, meaning they must also know of these limitations. And they must also know what their elected officials are doing and what they know about issues that affect these limitations as well as the overall freedom of Americans. 
To accomplish all of this, the John Birch Society has made it easy for you. We currently track the, rec the voting records of all 535 members of the House of Representatives and the Senate. Plus, we are also tracking state legislators. There are more than 7,300 state legislators, and our research team is currently tracking about half of them. We're hoping to track every single one of them by this coming spring. So go to thefreedomindex.org and look up your elected officials to see how closely they adhere to the Constitution. We select specific important votes and give an explanation as to why it is constitutional or not. These can be downloaded for free into scorecards so you can print them out and distribute them among like-minded voters in your community. This will help generate pressure on these officials to get their votes squared away with the Constitution. And we also have plenty of other materials that explain the constitutional limitations of their office and what tools can be employed when laws are not made within those limitations. We also have an action project to help states restore election integrity. As Robert Welch, founder of the John Birch Society, wrote in 1966, we believe that trying to achieve changes in national policy and direction simply by the organization of political forces and without a sufficiently thorough education program as the underlying base is to act like the ancient Egyptians in trying to make bricks without any straw to hold the clay together. Our job is simply to create sufficient understanding in the confidence that all else, including the correct and necessary political action, will automatically follow. If you're disappointed by the election, then it's time to try something else. It's time to try the John Birch Society. Links are in the video description. Please be sure to take the suggested actions and like, subscribe, and share this information on your social media platforms. I'm Bill Hahn for the John Birch Society. Until next time, stay informed and stay active.